Welcome to Conversations with Joel on Joel Osteen Radio. Joel's guest today is president of football operations at Clutch Sports Group, Nicole Lynn. And now, here's Joel Osteen. Great to have you with us today. I have a very special guest, somebody that is so inspirational, just really amazing. Her name is Nicole Lynn. Nicole, you're the first black woman to represent a top NFL draft pick. You, you've got your own sports agency. Um, you're a sports agent. you got a book out called Agent You. Really, I was telling you off, off the Zoom that you've got an incredible, you know, it's just very inspirational of, of how you got to where you are. I know some of the backstory, but uh, first off, thanks for being with us today. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here. I appreciate it. So your book is called Agent You, and it came out a, a few months back, but uh, what's it all about? I'm a sports agent, so a little bit of my background, I'm a sports agent and also an attorney by trade. Um, but this book is actually not about becoming a sports agent. It's about how to be an agent for your own life. Nice. You know, a lot of my job as a sports agent is making sure that my athletes have the best deal. They get a seat at the table. I'm their advocate. And in this book, it's how do you become your own advocate in life, whether it's in career or your personal decisions? I mean, how do you get your own seat at the table? How do you truly find your life's purpose and yeah. walk in that purpose and, and really just, you know, be that agent? Yeah, I think that's been powerful, uh, Nicole, because sometimes, you know, we can put other people first and, and you know, I'm, I'm not saying be selfish, but uh, you know what? God's given you your destiny, your gifts, your calling, but you have to do something with it. And I think, you know, it's easy to sit back and, okay, God, do everything, but uh, be the advocate for yourself, be your own agent. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the subtitle of the book is Show Up, Do the Work, and Succeed on Your Own Terms. You know, a big portion of my story is that I am someone that doesn't look like other people in my industry, right? It's a male dominated industry. You know, when you envision a sports agent, typically you're going to envision a male and not a, a woman or a black woman specifically, but, you know, finding a way to break those barriers and doing it on your own terms. I you love don't have that. to do kind of that run of the mill. <laughs> I love that. I love that, Nicole. That's phenomenal. And you know, you're not just an average sports agent. When I read some of these names, <laughs> you, you you won't brag on yourself, but I have to. But you know, it's, you got LeBron James and people like that. You've got top tier people. And Shannon just told me, our friend Shannon just told me that you just signed some more rookies than any other agent just recently. So our agency has LeBron James, not me specifically, because I do football. So he's on the basketball I got side. You. But, okay. I have, but from the Houston area, Jalen Hurts, who's the starting quarterback at the Philadelphia Eagles is the name that people might recognize. Yeah. Quentin Williams at the Jets. Um, so I'm, I've been very fortunate to represent some of the biggest names on the NFL side and our agency as a whole um, on the basketball side definitely has some heavy hitters. That's amazing that you, so let's go back, Nicole, how did you get here? Because you're that, you know, you didn't come from a middle-class African-American family. It's, it's an incredible story. So take the floor and tell me how you got here. So I'm originally from Tulsa, Oklahoma. You know, I kind of came from what I would say, humble beginnings, uh, definitely had a rough upbringing, dealt with some homelessness, kind of running from eviction notice to eviction notice, um, really didn't have that parental support. So typically when you see that kind of narrative, the statistics say that that person may or may not end up successful, right? There were no handouts for me. And so yeah. I knew at an early age that education was my way out. And so I worked really hard in school to go to the top high school. It was a magnet school. Um, when I finished with high school. It was like, okay, I'm going to go to college. None of my parents had been to college. No one in my family had went to college, but I was going to find a way. So I went to college, 
Uh, when I got to college, I met a lot of athletes that had a similar upbringing as me. So a lot of them grew up really under the poverty line, yeah. didn't have that support system, but they had this amazing talent. And this talent allowed them to get to the NFL and make millions of dollars. But unfortunately, many of them, after going to the NFL, would come back and not have much to show for it. You know, three, four years in, you retire pretty early because the average player only plays 3.3 years and they were going broke. Mm. And so it was really mind blowing to me. These, these guys became my friends. I'm like, what's going on? Why are they not able to retain their wealth? How can I help? And so I originally thought, you know what, I'm going to be a financial advisor for athletes. And so I, I got a business uh, background, business degree. I moved to New York city. I worked on wall street at one of the biggest investment banks in the world. And I went full force. I'm going to be a financial advisor for the, the biggest athletes in the world. And when I got there, I started learning very quickly that the financial advisor, although they do the portfolio management, they're not really the day-to-day -day person with the athletes. And it was not really a portfolio management issue. It was a mindset issue that needed to be changed when we're discussing money. And, and why was a player going broke? It was, there were things about the upbringing and people, you know, pulling at you and, it, it was different than just a, a portfolio management situation. Yeah. And so I learned, Hey, I think I need to be an agent. And so I left wall street really took a leap of faith. Uh, you know, I grew up with nothing, had one of these, the biggest jobs in the world and decided to completely leave it to go to law school so that I could be a sports agent. And I remember telling people that I was leaving wall street to go be a sports agent, which is kind of like telling them you're leaving to go be a rapper. <laughs> you know, it's, yeah. it's like, are you out of your mind? You, you come from nothing. You finally made it and now you're going to leave it. But I felt like God called me to this. And so I wanted to be obedient. So I went to law school. You know, I started in the sports agency world right out of law school. And I, I started a parallel career. I worked at one of the largest firms in the world doing securities fraud litigation while moonlighting as an agent. And then just in the past year, I finally went full-time into the agent world. Wow, that's that's phenomenal. I want to get back to your yeah. upbringing, but how did how did you get the connections? It had to be the hand of God there that just connected you to certain people. And I mean, how did you break into a—I mean, you did break a barrier. You're, you, you know, you're a, a black female sports agent, and that's just less than 1% of the people, I think you said. It is. You know, a lot of it was favor. Yeah. You know, I, I would love to be able to say on this— Zoom that I am the hardest worker or the smartest person. And although I'm smart and although I do work hard, there was so much favor in my journey because I know that God called me to do it. You yeah. know, an example would be when I signed my highest ranking player. So I, I signed a player that was drafted number three overall. I was the first black woman to do that. But a lot of people don't know the story about how I got this player. You know, when I was recruiting that season of recruiting, typically you recruit players in August, September. And I was working at a law firm. I'm killing myself, billing hours. I didn't have time to recruit. And so November comes around and I start panicking because I hadn't recruited any players for the draft. Yeah. And these guys make decisions in December. And my husband, I called my husband and I said, I've been panicking and I've been praying about it. And I feel like God is telling me that he's going to bring the recruits to me. Yeah. In football, you don't know how insane this sounds because it's hard to get players when you do recruit. When you don't recruit, you sound nuts. Yeah. Um, but I just felt so much peace that God said, he's going to bring the recruits to me. I don't know how. And a couple of weeks later, I get a call, a random call that says, hey, you have an interview set up with Quinnen Williams, who at the time was the number one player in college football. And then this is nothing but God. I've never met this kid. I've never recruited this kid. I've never watched his film. I have no idea who he is. It's all God. Wow. And so I end up 
taken the meeting. I had an amazing sports agency and team behind me that helped, of course. And then I get the player, you know, and that really helped change the trajectory of my career. But in that story, and I actually talk about this, I, I wrote a book, but I talk about it in my book, you know, I had to remind myself that God told me he's going to bring these recruits to me and, and maybe it wouldn't have looked like what I, what I ended up with. Maybe it wouldn't have been the number one overall pick. Maybe it would have been an undrafted player. You know, sometimes when we're praying, we're hoping for something and maybe God answers it in a different way, but we still have to have the faith. Hey, we're still going to worship God and still be excited about the way that he's answered our prayers. Yeah. That's so powerful, Nicole. I love that, that uh, what God has for you, he can bring to you. I know my own story. I couldn't get here on my own. And that's why it's easy for me to encourage people like you can, that there are moments of favor that God's already got ordained. If you just honor him, you go forward, you take some risk. I mean, I look at you and I think, wow, would I taken that risk when you had that great job on Wall Street? But you know what? You knew it was in your heart and you took that risk. And maybe, maybe, um, maybe somebody's out there, Nicole, in your situation uh, how do you know when it's God? How do you know when to take that step of faith? What, what's your what's your advice there? You know, for me, it's making sure that I've removed all the noise and that I'm staying close to the word because you'll have moments where you think, hey, I'm supposed to do X, Y, Z, and it's just you. It's, it's the flesh, yeah. you know, and so making sure that I was very in tune with the Holy Spirit. And when I felt that it was God calling me to make that jump, being obedient because if he's asking me to do it, he's going to take care of me. Yeah, He's going to meet me halfway. And so, you know, I think the other piece of it is, is even when people don't see the vision that God has given you, or even when people, it doesn't make sense to the, to the human flesh, to the mind, to your family, to your friends. I mean, think about Noah and the ark. You know, it didn't make sense to people that I'm leaving this job, but I knew what God called me to do. And so I was going to do it. It doesn't have to make sense to anybody. Yeah, it's so important because people can talk you out of it if you let. And, you know, it's like, like you said, God didn't put the vision. He didn't give them the dream. And, and really, you can't fault them because, you know, because it doesn't, doesn't make sense. If I was, in, yep. you know, if I didn't know you, I might say, hey, Nicole, don't do that. But you know what? God didn't put it. He put it in you. And I think that's where you have to be true to who what you feel in your heart. You can't fault people if they don't see it. But if you know it, you have to take yeah. that step of faith. You know, I think the time to fail is now. If you're going to take that step, that yeah. risk as quickly as you can, you know, especially speaking to the younger generation, if you feel called to do something. I definitely encourage you to to take the risk now. My guest is Nicole Lynn. She's a sports agent and just breaking barriers. But she said, my childhood's like a lifetime movie and filled with a lot of adversities. At seven years old, you're talking about your biggest challenge was, you know, finding something to eat. But can you talk a little bit more about that? Because I feel like sometimes people maybe hear you or me. Well, yeah, but y'all had it made. and But you know what? You didn't have it made. <laughs> No, I didn't. You know, I think that, like I, I mentioned, it's like the daily struggle was just the certain things that people naturally had, whether it's food, clothes. You know, I remember being in the third grade and wearing the same clothes to school and having a librarian that would send me home, you know, with her granddaughter's stuff, a jacket here or there, a pair of shoes. You know, I started at the age of 14 working at Chick-fil-A. You know, usually kids aren't working until they're 16. And I worked at 14 at Chick-fil-A and saved all my money so I could get my first car so I could drive across town to this magnet school. You know, I was just, I wanted to find a way. I wanted to find a way, you know, even through middle school, you know, growing up in poverty generally is, there's a lot of people that grow up in poverty. Um, but kind of the one thing they have is usually parents that are there to, to support, um, 
And I just didn't have that, unfortunately. And so it was not just being poor, but trying to navigate this world at, you know, eight, nine, 10 years old and really having to be creative with the way I survived. Yeah. And I had a younger brother. I have a younger brother um, that I really helped raise and he had to go through all those trials and tribulations with me. And, you know, his, his life looked very different than, than mine coming out based on some of the decisions that he made, but um, he's definitely finally getting on, on his own feet too. Nicole, what do you think that is? Was that just something in you? I know it's God's blessing, God's favor, but how come we don't see more people do what you do? Now you broke barriers, but I'm just talking about come out of poverty or why do they get stuck there? Mm-hmm. What I look at you and I think, what, what was it about you? Are you, I know it's like one in a million, but, but yeah. you know, how, how do we help others? You know, it's such a, it's a tough answer. Cause like I mentioned with my brother, you know, he, he went down the road that you would say statistically, he, you, you might see him end up as we, we grew up the same way. Yeah. We had the exact same life and we went totally different paths. I think it's, it's grit is what people call it. And it's something that's really indescribable, but it's this level of drive that I don't want to be poor anymore. Yeah. You know, it's this fear of going back to where I came and it's just this like deep calling to be great. Yeah. And it's weird because I have friends that are like, I don't get it. You know, why are you like this? I don't know. You know, I think it's just yeah. something that God has given me some level of drive where, you know, I was 12 years old and saying, Hey, I'm going to figure it out. I'm not going to grow up and be poor. I'm going to make sure my family's good. But then my brother, I mean, he didn't have those same thoughts, yeah. you know, but we lived in the same household. So I think it's just, it's, it's just a different level of drive. I, yeah. I don't know. It's I interesting. Wish I knew the answer. Yeah. It's interesting because my dad, I mentioned him, he grew up very poor and he said when he gave his life to Christ at 17, he told me, he said, Joel, I made a decision that day that my children weren't going to be raised in this poverty that I was mm. raised in. And I think that it, that's, that's an important thing about just, uh, you know, you have to come to say, you know, enough is enough. I'm going to make a difference yeah. and I'm going to yeah. set a new standard for my family. And, and that's, that's what, I like to encourage people because they say, well, you know, Joel, I didn't have the good upbringing, you know, like I, I did. I had parents that loved me and they were, we were middle class, but, you know, we had everything we need. You know, it was, I wasn't raised mm-hmm. like you, but, but sometimes people say, well, I didn't have that, but they can be the one to start it. I mean, you're the one that yeah. broke the curse of poverty. You, you, yeah. you have set a new standard for your family. I mean, hundreds of years from now, people are going to look back and they're going to see the change when, when Nicole came along and that's, it's the grace of God, but I think you had to you had to step into it too. I did. I did. And, and a lot of work, as I said before, favor, Yeah. <laughs> you know, God's favor and just listening to God and following my purpose and being committed to whatever that looked like. You went to OU, Oklahoma University. So, but you weren't planning on being a sports agent there. I already heard it, but you were, you were going into financial finance. Yeah. Uh-huh. So I got a business degree from OU and graduated early there and I got my Series 7 and my Series 63, the FINRA licenses, so I could trade on the stock market. I mean, I was all in, full force ahead. I always had this feeling that I knew God wanted me to work with these athletes. I thought it was in the financial space. Yeah. but So after I graduated from law school, I spent a little bit of time uh, working at the NFL Players Association. And while I was there, I also had an offer to work at this very large law firm. And so being a sports agent is very expensive. We have to pay for every player that trains for the draft. I mean, we're talking 50 grand a player or more. And so I knew that I still had to go practice law because I didn't come from money. Yeah. And so I needed money to fund this purpose project of being a sports agent. Yeah. 
So I took this job. And while I'm at this job, I was emailing hundreds of agents asking them to give me a shot, you know, begging them, can you give me a shot? I'd love to join your group. And there was one agent that returned my email and his name is Ken Sarnoff. So he's not at Clutch. I, I just joined Clutch a year ago, but he was at a previous agency that I was at. And he said, sure, I'll take your call. He had a lot of players from OU that were my friends. And he said, listen, I get this call all the time. Every week, somebody wants to be a sports agent. He's like, what's different about you? He's like, why would I choose you? You know, and he wasn't being rude. He was just being yeah. very direct. Yeah. Like, what's, you know, he said, this is a very hard agency and you're a woman. He's like, do you understand how difficult it is to get in and to stay in? He said, now, if you could tell me that you could get me a meeting with, you know, some top player, sure. And he actually named a player that was playing um, in the state of Texas at the time. He's like, this certain player, if you could get me a meeting with him, okay, sure. Maybe I would take you up on this. And so we hung up. And then about 30 minutes later, I called him back and I was like, hey, the player said he can meet tomorrow at four. Oh, Are you well. available? Yeah. And he, he, after that, he offered me a job. And so we worked together for eight years. He was a great mentor of mine, taught me everything I knew in the business and really took a shot on me, you know, but it was, he was the one in a hundred. I mean, I must've called every agent in the business trying to get a job. And, and he, he definitely took a shot on me. And so once I got in, I, I worked my butt off and I continued working at the law firm seven years doing both billing, you know, 2,300 hours a year to be this big time lawyer here in Texas, uh, at a firm formerly called Fulbright and Jaworski, now Norton Rose Fulbright, and moonlighting as an agent. In the first couple of years, it was fine. The firm was extremely, you know, supportive, and I only had a couple of players. And then eventually, I had twenty-five clients. Wow! And I was really killing myself doing both jobs. I mean, these, this was not a job and a side hustle. This was two full-time jobs. Wow. And so I finally had to kind of make the decision and take that second jump. I think my first jump was leaving Wall Street. My second jump and saying, hey, I'm going to bet on myself. I'm going to go all in on sports and I'm going to leave this cushy law job that I know that pays the bills and make sure that I'm good. And I'm going to take a step in faith. And I'm going to go all in on sports. Wow. So now you're with Clutch. So how'd the door open for Clutch? So Rich Paul, who is the CEO of Clutch Sports, he actually is the one that represents LeBron James. He is an amazing powerhouse, very famous uh, sports agent. You know, he recruited me for about a year, you know, really took his time to court me. And once I had, you know, was able to do my research about Clutch, I, it was an easy decision. It was an easy decision. Such a great agency, stands for everything that I believe in. And, you know, I also went to my players and said, hey, where do we want to go? And they were very excited about the opportunity to go to Clutch. Yeah. That's so funny, Nicole, that you have him recruiting you now. You know, that's, that's crazy. <laughs> I love that. That's just, God. That's God, isn't it? That's like the king coming, to, co- king coming to get David. Yes. I think something else you said was important too. A hundred people turned you down, but you just mm-hmm. kept going. And I think sometimes I always teach that you got to come to the no's before you get to the yeses. And how do you know that next, you know, you have to get the no's out of the way. Meaning that, yeah. uh, you know what, just just keep moving forward. Doesn't mean that you're missing it. We we all have no's, but I think I love that you just kept going. Not only did I get a bunch of no's as, you know, trying to get into the agency, but as an agent, we are told no more than we're told yes. Yeah. In order to get one player to say yes to you, you've got to recruit 25. If you want a draft class of five players, you know, you've recruited 100 because you're going to be told no and over and over. And so my big kind of lesson was I've got to get comfortable with losing. It's got to be something that I'm okay with and that I know that I'm going to continue to keep going because it's a part of the game. 
how do you go about getting clients now? You just, how does the sports world work? It's just like you see on TV. (laughs) (laughs) Is it? Yeah. It's a lot of like, find a player that you're interested in. You try to find a phone number, you know, maybe you find the mom on Facebook and, you know, shoot her a message in her DMs or you find an email or even for me, I'll show up at a football game, you know, and I'll stand outside the game and wait to meet the player. You know, he's never met me, but when he walks out, walking up to him, giving him my number, asking if we can meet, you know, it's very much still kind of like that. Yeah. As I've continued to get more clients, you get referrals, which is great. Yeah. You know, I know there were times where I'd show up at games and they would think I was, you know, a fan or a girlfriend waiting outside the game because, you know, I was a very young sports agent starting out at 26 years old. Wow. And so now I've created a, a bit of a name for myself and so people are a little bit more aware of who I am, which has been great. Yeah. Um, it makes it easier for recruiting for sure. And Jalen Hurts, he's a great player and you got him. Yeah. That's, that's, that's fantastic. I love Jalen. You know, we just had so much in common. He played at Alabama, but also played at OU. And I went to OU and I live in Houston and he's from Houston and moral and just personality standpoint, we we just aligned on everything and really excited to be able to rep Jalen. And he was the first quarterback I ever signed. That's, that's awesome. Nicole, tell me about your faith, because I know your faith played a role in this as well. And um, tell me about that. It's funny. I always say I've been saved forever. (laughs) Um, I, you know, I grew up in the church, Bible Belt, went to Victory Christian Center under at the time, Billy Joe, yeah. uh, already, but kind of what I grew up under. And, you know, my mom and I had an interesting relationship. She was always more like a sister and, and couldn't provide for much, never gave me anything in, on the physical standpoint, never gave, was able to give me money or provide for anything. The only thing she gave me was that she taught me how to worship Jesus. Yeah. And I always say it was the best gift that she could have ever given me. You know, my faith comes, you know, directly from what my mom instilled in me as a as a child. And so I tell her, I was like, she's always apologizing now. I'm so sorry. I wasn't able to provide. I'm like, yeah, but you gave me the best gift. Yeah. You gave me the, you gave me the best gift. And so very strong faith. My husband uh, went to OU as well and, and grew up in the faith as well. And so, you know, it's a, it's a journey. Yeah. We're not perfect, but our goal is to put God first in everything we do. I want people to get your book. It's called Agent You. We talked about it earlier, but um, do you tell your story in there? Is it, it's, I know it's about. I do. Yeah. Talk yeah, so the book, you know, it's 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 really a self-help book, but it's it's got a portion of a memoir. So I talk about, you know, the intimate details of my childhood. You know, the book starts out in the introduction of, you know, me being eight years old and getting robbed at gunpoint. You know, it's it's one of the most vivid memories of my life. Um, and for many people, it was it's so shocking to read and gut-wrenching. But to me, it was such just a, a story. You know, it was like, oh, this thing happened. Yeah. And so you kind of it opens with that and, and and kind of explains where my heart comes for these athletes, why I can relate to them. Mm-hmm. And then how did I get where I am? You know, I have so many people that ask me, not just that they want to be an agent, but how did you take the jump? How did you know how to walk in your purpose? Where'd you find the faith? It's all about the blueprint of what I did. And then, and not just sports. How did I decide, Hey, this is what God's called me to do. And how did I, really muster up the faith and the courage to take the jump. And how can you do that too? Yeah, that's important. The book's called Agent You, and my guest is Nicole Lynn. I know it'll be very inspiring and and, and helpful too. Nicole, that's very, very helpful. But Nicole, so maybe somebody's out there listening and um, they're trying to figure out what they're supposed to do or trying to move forward. They may be driving home, listening on the radio. Maybe you could uh, could encourage someone um, just with with some encouragement to move forward. 
I know that you probably hear this all the time, but if I can do it, you can do it. I was not given up silver spoon. I was not given direction, but I very much prayed, asked for God to show me my purpose in life and for him to guide me and have been able to really find success from a career standpoint and in my personal life from surrendering to God. And so my advice is to keep going, to keep going. Also, you know, you're never too old to decide that you're going to change paths. You know, I tell people the time to fail is now as quickly as you can, but you're never too old to change your mind about something, you know, and don't let the world tell you what's crazy and what's not. Yeah. Like I mentioned, I left Wall Street and people were calling me crazy. They're not calling me crazy anymore. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. They're calling you queen. Now you're the boss. I love that. So, so Nicole, tell me, uh, tell me about that, about eight years old, the gun and all that stuff. I want, I want to hear that. That's fascinating to me. When I was eight years old, my brother and I were at home with a person that lived at this, you know, they call it a trap house. And uh, I guess it was our babysitter. And we had a couple of guys come in the home and try to get the rings off of her fingers. And she didn't want to you know, give the rings. She threw the rings into one of our darker rooms and they came out and started fighting with her. I was hiding in the middle room and I'm just eight years old and I heard them throw her down. And so I ran out of my room and I don't think they realized I was there. And I was like, don't hurt her. Don't hurt her. Mm. And I'm eight. I'm a little bitty person at this point. And I just remember them grabbing me by my neck and I felt the barrel of the gun on my face. And I just remember saying, God, forgive me for my sins. Mm. This is me at eight. God, forgive me for my sins. Cause I'm like, "I'm, I'm going to die. And I grew up in the church. So my thought was, okay, I got to go to heaven. This is all I have. And in that moment, I thought that was it. And so I, I ended up escaping that situation. Thank God. But it was, you know, it's weird because I don't even want to say it was traumatizing because it felt so normal for my life. You know, it wasn't until I actually told my husband about the story as you know, I got married and was older where he was just so shocked. He's like, that's not normal people don't get robbed at gunpoint casually, I know. I know. you know, but so many things like that happened in my childhood that it was just another memory. It's like, oh yeah, I was robbed at gunpoint. He's like, that's yeah. not, that doesn't happen to little kids. Yeah. So yeah, my, my childhood was not easy at all. And I think it really shaped the person that I am today and the, the sports agent that I am. And it's the reason why I do a lot of what I do. Yeah. You know, I want to represent players and I want them to not have to, you know, be in the situations that I was growing up and I want to make sure that their families don't have to go through that. Their kids don't have to go through yeah. that. I want to really help be the conduit to change. Yeah. What's well, very inspiring just to see you and how you broke the barriers and how you could get to where you are. It's it's a testimony of, of God's goodness, His grace, and your mm-hmm. hard work as well. And boy, I admire you yeah. for taking those steps of faith and just how you came out of that. Um, environment. And, you know, I look at you today at the top of your field. What's next for you? Man, we've got the NFL draft uh, coming up in a couple of weeks, and we've got some really top players in the draft. Super excited about that. You know, I'm the president of Football Ops at Clutch, and so it's it's been awesome to be in a leadership role. And, you know, the goal is to continue to sign, sign really good players and um, to help make a change in, in, in an industry that has been the same for so long. Yeah. You know, continue to shake it up. Yeah. That's incredible that you're the president of football operations at Clutch now. I am. God is good. God is good. Definitely something that I could never have envisioned a couple of years ago, you know, but now to be in this role, I'm so honored and to work with the people that I work with. They're amazing. 
um, and to have some of the clients that I work with. Yeah, I just feel very blessed. Very blessed. Yeah, well, we celebrate what God's done and your hard work and all. We're we're fans and admirers. I love that. Nicole's book is called Agent You. I know it'll inspire you, and it's just um, more in-depth than what we talked about t- today. But, Nicole, thanks for your time. This has been really awesome. It's great to get to know you. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to Conversations with Joel on Joel Osteen Radio. You can listen on demand anytime with the SXM app or at SiriusXM.com. To find out more, call 855-585-JOEL. That's 855-585-JOEL.